0: everyone to another at the table podcast this is bishop sue hopper johnson and it is great to be with you again Uh, i am in a a series of conversations with your district superintendents about uh, how they see their district and matters of concern to them and i've invited since no conversation in the church is complete without lay perspective i've invited each ds to invite a lay person who is instrumental in the ministry of their district to talk about whatever topic they want to talk about. I kind of leave the conversation up to them. As always, if you have things you'd like to discuss further or you're interested in or would like to hear more about, just email me at bishop at ngumc.org and we'll take it from there. Today, it is my great pleasure to have with us uh, the Reverend Dr. Alice Rogers, the superintendent of the Northeast District. And I'm gonna turn it over to Alice and she's gonna introduce our special guests to us. And then she's gonna set up the conversation and we'll go with the flow. So Alice, welcome, glad you're here. Have at it.
1: All right, thank you Bishop Sue. Thanks for the invitation to have these conversations. I think they're very important. Um, with me today is Dr. Kay Hagen, uh from the um, Antioch Church in Nicholson, Uh, She is um, new in the district restructuring to uh, the churches that I oversee, and uh, we're getting to know each other. It's been delightful to have conversations with her um, over these last couple of months, and I am really looking forward to the work we're going to be able to do together in 2021. Um, What we want to talk about today um, is is the clergy-lay collaboration in ministry, but with special emphasis on the lay servant ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, Kay is the director of our lay servant ministry as of what, about two months now, Kay, I think. That's Um, right. (laughs) Um, She stepped into that role. And what excites me is that we have a lot of the same vision um, for what we hope for in uh, the lay servant ministry. Kay's got lots of innovative ideas um, that will bring a lot of inclusivity for the whole district as far as ages, the geographic location of people, you know, so that we can um, include more people in the lay servant ministry through technology and other ways of of them engaging with the subject matter and with the classes. Um, But ever since I began my ministry, the lay clergy relationship has been critical to me. Um, Working with uh, not only those who were chairs of the committees, um, but all lay people in the church, um, but also the lay leader. Um, I always had a very special relationship with the lay leader because they often had their finger on the pulse of the whole congregation. Mm -hmm. And they also brought with them a vision for their hopes um, of ministry in the community um, and beyond uh, every, every church I served, I just um, I loved working hand in hand with the lay leader. Um, as a district superintendent, our lay people are all over the district. Um, it's a little harder right at first to get to know them all and to be able to listen to um, the visions that are coming forth from the laity, but um, I feel like after two years, I'm finally making those connections and getting my feet on the ground as far as that collaboration goes. Um, But with the district restructuring, um, I've been working to make sure um, our laity are included in that restructuring. For instance, we divided the district into four quadrants. uh, So we now have sub-districts and every sub-district has a lay leader. We have one overall lay leader for um, the district, but we also have three others who work with her um, to so that we can make sure we have connections in smaller geographic areas. We also have divided the district um, into connection groups according to counties. So every connection group is made up of the pastor and the lay leader of the church. Um, and so these connection groups will work together um, in their counties because there's going to be certain issues in different counties that all the churches together could connect uh, in our connectional nature and seek to find solutions and ways to be in ministry to specific issues that arise in counties. That's just getting going, of course, with COVID, it's been a little bit harder. I hope in 2021, we'll open up a little bit and we can um, get those groups running and um, engaging uh, more critically. Some already have done that, but we wanna make sure we can do that across the district. So those are just some of the structuring things we've done in the restructuring of the districts to begin um, strengthening this lay clergy collaboration. Um, Again, the reason I wanted uh, Kay to come with me today is in the Northeast district, um, we have a large number of smaller membership churches. Um, a lot of them, uh, we have 80 part-time local churches and, um, on occasion, on a lot of occasions, um, the pastors either need, um, because of medical reasons, two or three months off, or there might be a change in the middle of the year and we need to have fill in, uh, leadership for the church. And the lay servant ministry is critical to that, mm-hmm. um, it's, our lay servants and our lay speakers, um, I have found just invaluable in this district. Um, we call on them to fill in. Um, they are very fine uh, preachers. They've been through a program that is, has um, deepened their own discipleship, given them some guidance and preaching and leadership. Um, and so um, we were going through several different changes in leadership when I got here in that program. But Kay has come on board, and um, in our conversations, uh, I've just been thrilled to know that she's got a vision, that she's got ideas. And so I want her to talk about those. I mean, I've got some of my own hopes and dreams for the program, but I'm going to stop talking for a little bit so that she can talk about her hopes and dreams, because the the, the things she has shared with me um, are just really uh, exciting. Um, I think we'll, again, deepen the discipleship of laity, but also strengthen the, the lay clergy relationships. Okay. I'm going to let you talk about your hopes and dreams for the program.
2: My first uh, order of business is to learn all of the existing lay servants and lay speakers in the district. And I'm coming to know some of them uh, because we've already been filling some pulpits uh, in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to get to know them and, um, and to grow the program so that we can have even more lay speakers and lay servants. Uh, We've we've had to put our classes on a back burner this year for the most part, but luckily we did have a few classes in place uh, through the conference online. So we had a a class on um, leading public prayer, we had one on evangelism, Uh, we're gonna have one um, We did conflict resolution online this summer. So we've had some classes. We've got Heritage coming up in January. Um, Another uh, uh, Spiritual Gifts is coming up. So we do have some classes coming up online, but as soon as we can get back face to face, we want to really offer the basic class and get a lot more people in and grow the program. That's our biggest goal, Uh, not to necessarily get more lay speakers because we do need more lay speakers, but just to educate the average uh, lay person in the church about the things they need to know about about basic Methodism, Um, learning their spiritual gifts, for example, Uh, learning about Methodist heritage, Um, those who are going to be... um, members of annual conference need to learn about polity and so the more of these classes that we can offer and get people to take the better i think it's just the best educational leadership thing we've got going for the laity in the methodist church and i have a real heart for it and i want to see the uh, the classes grow
0: okay I'm, I'm really delighted you know that you're taking on this role Um, as a superintendent, man, I was, I had a list of especially five, uh, lay servants and, um, I knew really I could call them at the drop of the hat. And I did. I mean, I remember one Sunday, of course, you know, worship was at nine at a church and at seven, uh, the pastor had a stroke. I mean, it was bad and I, I had all of about an hour, and I wasn't anywhere near that church. I couldn't have gotten there in time to preach, but I had a lay servant nearby, and I called him, and he said, I'm on it, and he ended up being there for several months and just did an excellent job, but I had a gathering of the local pastors Saturday before last, and uh, we were talking about the role of the local pastor, and I said, you know, I really wish we had kept them as lay preachers because I think the heart of the Methodist movement going back to Wesley were really strong lay preachers and that um, uh, they were they knew the communities better because you had the clergy move. So the, the lay preachers knew the community they knew the heartbeat of the, of the community and they were the ones who held the connection together. and I, um, I have long said, you know, if Methodism had built the connection, if we continued to rely on the connection, uh, I don't think we'd be in danger of losing it because I don't think anybody would dare leave it because the power that is potentially in the connection is huge. And, the, um, and it's the lay leaders that hold the connection together. As a superintendent, much like Alice, man, I was all over grouping churches and reclaiming the connection. Uh, because, uh, you know, I think in the future, uh, the danger that we've lived into is competition, right? I don't want, I don't want those people to go to that church because they might like that church better. But if we could see the connection and get all the churches in, a, in an area together, working together, Um, I saw a lot of fruit from that. And especially when you give them mission insight, which which tells you here are the demographics of your community. These are the age groups of your community. These are their biggest hearts, needs. These are their biggest wants. This is what's desperately needed to get the clergy and lay leaders of, you know, five to 10 churches together looking at their own community and Mm -hmm. seeing it as a group project and not as a competition. And then to even see them start talking about, what about staffing? Does every church need a youth director? Does every church need a children's director? Could we not have one maintenance person to do all these churches? And then to see each church claim a niche, I think there's beautiful power in that. And the lay servants are the ones who can help the clergy. Once again, the clergy move, right? But the lay servants mm-hmm. are the, should be the preservers of the dream. And I always hated clergy that would go in and would immediately say, well, here's my vision and this is what I want done, because it's not about that. The laity set the vision of every church and the pastors come in and should add their gifts to that. And what a much better understanding than the pastor being the jack of all trades who has to do everything in the church. So anything we can do, Kay, to rebuild the um, identity of the laity as, as the force behind the church and the connecting unit. And, um, you know, I also see a lot of energy when you get lay leaders from many churches together working on a common problem because there's a lot of talent there. And Mm -hmm. so um, I, like Alice, I've always had a very deep relationship with my lay leaders because they came from other arenas of leadership and they had, I learned so much from them. I would just sit at their feet and, and learn about uh, their business lives and what they'd done. And it was always helpful. And so, um, I, I want you to tell us, so what, what makes a good lay servant and kind of how you, um, how you got into it and how you see the role best lived out. Okay.
2: Um, I think the thing that makes a good lay servant is a desire to serve Mm -hmm. in whatever way. It's not about, uh, personal glory. It's about doing the work of Jesus Christ and being uh, a disciple and that call to discipleship that we have, um, and knowing, knowing how you can best serve. And you don't always know that, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes Mm -hmm. you kind of fall into it, but sometimes, uh, it helps for somebody else to recognize those, those uh, talents and those gifts that you might have and say, well, have you thought about maybe doing this? Mm-hmm. The desire to serve is, is, to me, the main thing, that, that idea of, here I am, Lord, send me. Then mm-hmm. you asked me how I got into it. Basically, it was a pastor who encouraged me. Mm-hmm. And I got into it back in the day when it was just lay like speaking ministries, Right. and everybody that did it did it with the goal that they were going to um, to fill pulpits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's when I got into it. Right. Um, even though, honestly, I don't feel that my call is to fill pulpits. Right. I enjoy speaking every now and then, but you know, I have lay speakers who, if I will ask them to go, they are ready to go whenever they are ready to go. To think I would have to come up with a different sermon every single time (laughs) terrifies me, Uh, but uh, I I do like going occasionally, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I feel like my call is more in the teaching realm, right? and that's where I I really feel like this is where God wanted me to be, when I'm teaching a class or um, seeing the spark in other people,
0: yeah, um, that brings to mind. I do like the lay servant change um, in name. Uh, I know uh, when I first became a superintendent, I get annoyed calls and letters from lay speakers because I wasn't giving them pulpits. <laughs> the but the, what what we find is that clergy don't give up their pulpits that readily, you know, and if they do, they do it very targeted. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if they need a really good preacher to come in about something. So, you know, I think that to build a whole lay movement on, on preaching, they're just, it's just, you, you know, there, there's isn't that much demand for it, but the servant part I get because, um, I think we do need a very, um, A a laity not so much educated as appreciative of their heritage, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. To appreciate the connection, to appreciate uh, churches held in trust for the whole denomination, to appreciate um, uh, itinerancy, to appreciate, you know, the power of the laity with itinerant clergy, to Mm -hmm. appreciate. Uh, the community-based need of the churches. And so I, I think that that's important that to have you know if I, if I have a if I had to characterize the really excellent lay people that I've worked with, they they not just know the history of Methodism, but they appreciate it. It lights them up. It gives mm-hmm. them, a sense of identity and soul that we need because so many people in the Methodist church that I deal with on a regular basis come from congregational churches or come, from, you know, they, the, what we have in this connection, they don't get. And I think there's power in it and they just need to learn about it. So, uh, a, not just an educated lady, but a lady with an appreciation of the heritage, with an understanding of why we do things the way we do it and um, not to say it's perfect and we don't take any sense that they i think to really critique something well though you need to know it and appreciate it and then the other part of lay servant and you touched upon it is uh, i think that um, the more you follow christ and the more servant the servant mentality takes in you don't lord it over others you know i have had known some lay servants who saw that as a badge of honor that made them superior to all other laity which is not the whole role at all. Certainly yeah. not the role of clergy, certainly not the role of a bishop. I mean, I see my role as I'm the biggest servant of all. And so um, so to move away from the kind of um, credentialing and the understanding, I really see that the lay servant is one who has an understanding and appreciation for their heritage, for the connection. And for the power of the role in the church. And so I've had lay servants in my own churches who've taken over the prayer ministry, who've taken over the mission of the church into the community, who've taken over, you know, they, they are, they are, are um, indispensable partners in ministry. And, uh, that, that's what I think we need to foster more and more, a servant mentality and a well-rounded person who, you know, I can't think of one of them who couldn't with, you know, a little notice, give a great devotion or witness to their faith because they're immersed in scripture, they're living it out. They see what's going on and what God's doing and, and I think if you're attuned to that, you always have something to talk about with the group. But but more an identity of servant, an identity of I'm here to, um, to help my church most fully act as the body of Christ as it can. And so I appreciate your emphasis on that because um, I, I've seen some of the drawbacks over time that um, mm-hmm. we can fall into.
2: And our logo says leading caring and communicating. So we have those three branches uh, of different ways to serve. Right. Uh, everybody's not called to be a leader. Everybody does not have great communication skills. Everybody doesn't have the warm and caring fuzzy gene. But right. a lot of people do. And, and we have those those different um, we have those different classes that are targeted to the different people. The, the prayer ministry for example we have some really good classes on prayer one on leading public prayer a mm-hmm. couple of leading public prayer actually and one on personal prayer which is uh way more appropriate for um the average mm-hmm. churchgoer yeah um, we have the class on worship for worship leaders we have um the spiritual gifts, which everybody can benefit from, yeah. as well as heritage, where, like you talked about, uh, knowing where we come from. Mm-hmm. Because I know in, in a lot of the uh, the small churches, like the one I go to, for example, people have gone to that church their whole life, but they don't really understand the idea of connectionalism mm-hmm. or the idea of the trust clause. And those things, they they just don't get it. Right. and be really helpful. Um, the discipline even s- suggests, strongly suggests it doesn't require, that all lay leaders take at least the basic class.
0: Sure, makes sense, you know. Uh-huh. I think, yeah, I think that's important, and, and you raise a good point. I mean, you know, um, a lot of us are Methodists because we were born there, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was born there, you know. I remember when I went into the ordination process, my mom said, um, do you know what Methodists believe? I said, I really do now. And you'd be surprised. <laughs> but, you know, I grew up thinking that all pastors moved every four to eight years. I've moved up, you know, when you grow up in a system. Uh, so once again, you're not, you're, you don't understand why, right? You mm-hmm. don't understand why. And so I think it's important whether you're brand new to Methodism or whether you're born in a church and never had to learn about it. I think there's power and uh our heritage what makes us unique uh you know i get all the time i'll have many uh I, in all of my churches i've had many former roman catholics and i'm like why are you here they said because it felt like home well it felt like home because our lineage is out of the anglican church which is out of the catholic church and so yes i mean that's why and then uh you know um i remember having i've had several. Uh, Prisoners on the way out said, hey, we went to church in Tallahassee last weekend and the pastor knew you. I'm like, if you're Methodist, we know each other. We're connectional. <laughs> that's the power. If you go to any church in, well, now in Georgia or Florida, I can not only tell you, I probably can tell you, uh, you know, how many kids they have and who, where they went to school and what they appreciate, but that's the power of knowing you know, and if we work together and if we use the the connection to its potential, it's unlimited. Uh, we used to get calls. They'd be amazed. People would be amazed. We get calls. I used to have a church 45 minutes from Disney World. And, you know, just fair warning. This is just a, a, a side public service announcement. If you go to Florida to Disney World in the future in August and you aren't used to walking miles and miles and you aren't used to like 100 degree heat with you know, 90% humidity, be careful. But we would get calls all the time, people in the hospital, because they had gone to Disney or had overexerted doing stuff that they shouldn't have been doing. And um, we'd get a call at my church from Michigan, Methodist pastor from Michigan. One of my parishioners is at Disney, they're in the hospital. Can you go see them? And we would. And they would be amazed they were like how did you find out your pastor called we're a connectional church we know people all over the world if you need help and you're in the middle of you know detroit or uh harrison Pens- harrison you know anywhere in the country or in the world even we have the connection there so there's power in that and people don't even realize how much we use it and leverage it and work within it because um, it's really helpful to know people in the middle of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. Anyhow, Alice, uh, what are, you know, we're uh, several months into redistricting. Uh, what have been the surprising joys and the concerns you have about it, just from a
1: connectional standpoint? I, you know, there's, um, it's actually given me a chance to, um, Uh, The District AA, Holly Butkovich and I work most of the summer on on looking at the big picture Mm -hmm. and then saying, okay you know, there's a big picture now. It's a little bit bigger. Um, So how do we how do we divide it in such a way that we can leverage the connection? We can leverage the lay clergy uh, collaboration and ministry together. And while the groups were a part of that structure before, we were more intentional about um, structuring them according to counties. And, and instead of having just a few lay people, we included all the lay leaders in each church in each connection. Uh, before, there were just a few. Um, and we were saying, let's, just, let's make sure the pastor and their lay leader are connected to all the other pastors and lay leaders, not just so I can know who they are, but also but just to maximize the opportunities for churches to work in connection. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a um, an issue of food insecurity in the schools, each individual church doesn't have to try to address it. The churches in that county through the connection group can come together and say, what can we do together to address this particular issue right now? Mm-hmm. Having uh, our, our district lay leader, you know, she, her eyes kind of grew when she knew how many churches we would now have in the new district. But it was like, well, then let's let's leverage what we can do and that was to divide it into quadrants and to um, have sub-district lay leaders who would know their particular areas better um, and also could accompany me to area meetings when we have trainings um, so that the district leader didn't have to worry about trying to cover all of that herself but now she's got a team lady at large that will go to annual conference you know it's impossible for one district lay leader to know them all but now all the lay leaders will sit down together um, because they are more inclined to know the ones in their particular sub-district. Um, so it's, it's given us a chance to, um, I think, strengthen the connection because we're using um, more collaboration with uh, our lay leaders. Um, so, you know, while it seemed formidable at first, it's really been a gift to, um, again, look at ways in which we can, can strengthen that part of the connection.
0: And to kind yes. of stir it up in the sense of giving new eyes. I mean, you know, you don't have the same leaders who've been sitting around the table for many years. You have new eyes and new approaches and new, um, uh, new teams, Definitely. which I think energy comes from. So I'm that, that I've observed across the connection as being one of the strengths. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I want to give Kay the last word. If I'm in the pews and I, you know, really feel called, and I think it is a calling, to uh, be uh, a lay servant and to really um, uh, commit myself to studying for perspective and for uh, inspiration and for identity, knowing my heritage, and then discerning what particular area in my church I want to lead, uh, how do I get involved with that, and how do I get in touch with you if I, if I want to do that? So the
2: first thing you need to do is to talk to your pastor, mm-hmm. uh, because to, um, to take a basic class requires a pastor signature. But my name, email, and cell phone number are all listed on the, uh, the district webpage under um, Life Servant Ministries, Uh, So I'm I'm easy to find to get in touch with. It's also there under the conference webpage under the uh, district directors. So so I'm easy to find. uh, But tell the pastor, have the pastor contact me and say I've I've got somebody that's interested in this. I'll be sure they're notified the next time we have a class, and I'll be glad to talk to anybody that wants to talk to me on the phone about the program. Answer any questions. I love to talk to people about it. Yeah. I'll be email me, call me, text me. I'll
0: talk. Great. Well, I hope that, uh, this redistricting really, it sounds like it could be a shot in the arm for a lot of our ministries. And I truly hope lay servant ministries is one of them. I thank you for your time today. Thank you for your leadership. And, and, uh, really the passion you have for it, Alice, always a pleasure. And, um, grateful for the work you're doing to build the connection and to and to re-envision the connection in a bigger geographical area but you know i've always thought uh, having served several large churches the way to run a large church is to make it a bunch of small churches together so everybody's known so everybody um is uh feels part of the team and so that you can accomplish more together so uh, i wish you a blessed advent and a merry christmas And all of you out there, I hope you will fully um, look into lay servant ministries. And if not that, just uh, hear how helpful and important it is as a lay person in the United Methodist Church to understand your heritage, to understand how we do things and to uh, understand you are part of a connection that stretches all around the world and uh, contains uh, churches in every tiny little, from every tiny little hamlet to uh, the biggest metropolises around. So uh, I hope you appreciate that about our connection. And until the next at the table, this is Bishop Sue saying, have a blessed Advent, a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you in 2021, which I think we can all agree, we are very excited to leave 2020 behind. (laughs) So God bless. At the Table is produced by Sybil Davison and edited by Kim Drobes. Music is by Chuck Bell. Thank you, and I look forward to the next time we're together.